Okay. Uh, Zevon did not like it. <laughs> no, just let, just shoot from the hip. Okay. Okay. Hello, and welcome back to Small Nope. We are famous last words. Um, we are coming to you through the miracles of internet. I am in a land down under, also known as Cincinnati. And if you'd like some nice Cincinnati pictures, you should definitely follow the Obscure Broadcasting Company Instagram. Um, I'm Andrew Alden. Who are you? Oh, I'm Teresa Alden. Still in Detroit. Still in Detroit. Yes. And that's where we're based, where we are in a domestic partnership recognized by the state of Massachusetts, also known as we're married. And not related. <laughs> and not related. Though... No, we're not related. No. We're related by marriage. <laughs> so. So, so, anyway, moving along, moving along. Um, uh, today we are talking about a film. Uh, the film is called Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, and it is by the film, Spanish filmmaker Pedro Almodovar. Uh, yes, I'm excited. Me too. And I've realized today that I've been pronouncing his name wrong for like years. <laughs> so forgive me if I if I say it wrong <laughs> during this time. Oh, oh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's play the intro. Time Me Up, Time Me Down is a, a movie that follows Antonio Banderas, who is a mental patient, I guess. He's crazy. He's supposed to be crazy. And he is released from the mental hospital because he's quote-unquote cured. And in his being curedness, he tracks down a former porn star and former heroin addict who's now making her way onto the the regular movie making world uh and she's just wrapping on what appears to be like a horror movie and yeah and she kidnaps her would you say that's a fair estimation of what the plot's about yes that was a very good summary of the plot yeah so this movie is controversial for a number of reasons um which we'll get into in a little bit here but we are we are kind of latecomers to Pedro Almodovar's movies. Besides, if you are a deep cutter of our <laughs> podcast, you listen to us talk about The Skin I Live In, which we both loved. Yeah, which was, I think, both of ours first film of his, right? Yes, definitely. Are. Yeah. And so this is now the fourth one we've seen. So we're, we're digging fourth, into fourth it. Or, fourth or fifth. Yeah, we're, we're, we're into it. We're... We're also also known as we're a quarter of the way through his movies. He has twenty, well, a little less than a quarter. He has twenty-one movies. Oh wow! Um, so, what did you think of this movie, Teresa? Um. Well, so it's from it's like the second one we've watched of his older films. Um. So this one is from nineteen eighty nine, and I 
feel like it's very different from his newer work now having seen like two older films and two newer-ish films including the skin i live in um so it took me a minute to like get into it because it's like very humorous and very absurd uh and you know like at the beginning of his older films especially i just feel like i need to buy into the world before i really enjoy it and i eventually do which is good um but yeah it's just like it takes a minute but you know it's it's very strikingly beautiful and well acted so like that initially is always great but it's just so bizarre (laughs) i don't know what you think I I get I really like his aesthetic in each mo- each one of his movies that we've watched. Um, I am almost completely hooked from the moment I from the moment we start them. They're so, start them. They're so colorful and complex and like silly. But like I read an article about, in the New York Times that talked about how little cynicism there are in his movies, and it's really true. Even in the skin I live in, which is like the darkest of the movies that we've seen. Um, it's still pretty optimistic about the world we live in. And uh, Time Me Up, Time Me Down uh, is no is no exception. You know, I think that Time Me Up, Time Me Down is really well acted. And I guess I was surprised to hear that he doesn't do a lot of improvisation on his movies necessarily. It's very scripted. Mm. And these movies are kind of, in a way, they're fantasy movies because they're not reality, right? They're not, mm-hmm. they're they are um like people don't really act like this and the costuming is particularly outrageous like i think of the woman (laughs) woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown like you know there's the earrings and then there's the gazpacho and she lights her bed on fire like the people act kind of like in a heightened reality in all of his movies and this movie is particularly zany where it comes to kind of a a head is um you know antonio banderas kidnaps this woman and they are they don't shy he doesn't shy away from the sexual complications therein right right yeah it's interesting that you said that about like he doesn't have much cynicism in his movies and i didn't realize that till you said that but that's really true um but if you like heard the plot of timey up timey down or even some of his other ones you would be like you would think it's something completely different it's just like the way he treats it is is so unique but i'm interested to hear the controversial things that you're referencing earlier. Right. So, I mean, this movie is not for children in any way, shape or form. It's particularly not for children of a Western audience, a Western puritanical audience, because this movie features quite a lot of nudity, quite a lot of sexual situations um, and like drug abuse and violence and it's um mm-hmm. the controversial thing is this movie was rated nc-17 in the united states oh oh that's because um they hadn't isn't that around the time like r rating hasn't hadn't been fully established yet yeah the r rating hadn't fully been well r rating had had been established but it hadn't like there's it was still they were getting rid of the X rating. So they were getting rid of the X rating to introduce something that was new. And that became the NC 17 rating. Okay. Yep. That's, that's what I was thinking of. Um, Um, Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense, but I don't know. It's like not as bad as some like horror films that were rated NC 17 back then. Well, I kind of think about the Jason movies, which are big blockbuster, the Friday the 13th movies that we watched many of, of them. And 
those movies always feature a lot of nudity Mm -hmm. and a lot of, you know, sexual situations, Um, you know, a lot of boobs, essentially, in those movies. Um, This movie has full, full body lady nudity. And, and it like lingers on full body male lady nudity, you know. I think there's some full body male nudity too, right? In this one, uh, there or might be confusing yeah. it, but yeah. I mean, but again, the differences between an American viewing audience and like other countries is like really different, you know. Like sex is worse than horror and violence in America. Right. I mean, we went to the beach in Spain and, and some ladies were just having a grand old time being topless, <laughs> swimming in the Mediterranean it's Sea. It's and, very uh, normal. <laughs> middle-aged ladies. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a very, very different attitude around over here. Yeah. And I mean, there's a couple of like, if you were in the room with your grandmother or your mom or your dad, and some of the situations that happened in this movie, you'd probably feel really uncomfortable. Um I think of the scuba diver scene in particular. Um, oh. But another reason why this movie... Yes, yeah. No, the thing what, I you... think that I think is more controversial is the fact that he, like, ties her up to a bed and, like, is somewhat... All of the violent connotation with that. Um, yeah, and just, like, the Stockholm Syndrome situation that ends up happening, um, like, spoilers all... But she, uh, you know, she eventually falls in love with him after he's kidnapped her and tied her up and um, gone through like an entire movie's worth of stuff. She falls in love with him and they they live happily ever after, which I think is the most controversial thing about this film. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was why it was controversial in in Spain is it gave the the worry was that it would be like, well, if the girl you like doesn't like you, just kidnap her. (laughs) Yes, yeah, that's the thing. That's exactly it. But I he... mean, Antonio, I think it's really interesting, and we talked about this a little bit, I think, in our, our Skin I Live In podcast many moons ago. Um, Antonio Banderas is such a different actor in, Sp- in Spain. I mean, mm-hmm. he has he's always the sex pot, and like he's really interesting in his in his American roles where he's like the dashing Spaniard and he's like, he's like the stand in Latino, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, but he's, he can give such layered performances, particularly in this film. And, uh, you know, we're not talking about this film right now, but in pain and glory, he's also excellent. And it kind of made me think about this movie and in the woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown is, you know, those movies were around the same time that he turned up in, um, Jonathan Demme's Philadelphia, mm. where he plays Tom Hanks's lover. It was a pretty bit part in the movie, but you kind of think that in, in, everything, everything changed for Antonio Banderas is when he was cast as Zorro. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think he was building towards a, like a, a, not that he's not a serious actor now, but that he was building towards, you know, somebody who had like a lot of range. And I feel like because of society or because of whatever, he was relegated to being like, you know, the Latin lover. And I think Time Me Up, Time Me Down is maybe one of his best performances that I've ever seen him in because he's so goofy. He's so diminutive. He's not suave. He's not, you know, he is charming, but he's like kind of a dope. And uh, you kind of think of like Robert De Niro in Awakenings or 
um, Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man. Like they're that kind of layered performances. Performances where he's so far from who from himself. What did you think? Yeah. Oh no. I mean, I I totally agree. And the one thing that I noticed, particularly watching this film, and then the other one um, that you mentioned, Women on a Nervous on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. Um, is that I never knew that he was acting on such like a high level in his early 20s. Like, because even though I had some recognition that he was a very different actor in Span- Spanish films um, than American films, I had no idea like how early he was such a good actor. <laughs> and so I'm very impressed by his performance in this film. And I think he really sells it where it's like we were saying, it's controversial in a way but but it's meant to be like comedic and absurd and silly and I think he's part of the reason why like you buy into it and they sell it okay and it's not like I don't find the movie offensive at all so I think it's a testament to like both of their acting but um but yeah his his character is great yeah I mean I I kind of feel like the, the colors are really bright and the acting is a little bit over the top and melodramatic. I feel like his movies kind of create you like this surrealistic world that is you're kind of like lulled into. Yeah, actually, that brings up something I really wanted to mention was, you know, it's connected to how at first I'm not really into his films, especially the early ones. It just takes me a while because it's just so strange and you have to like, you know, buy into the world completely Um, but I think something that he does really well is he does achieve that. Like I buy into it, even though it's super strange and super quirky. And then once I am in and accept the world that I'm in, everything else clicks and like, I have no objections to the film. And I wonder if that's actually how people feel about David Lynch, because I really like David Lynch in theory, but I think I have a much harder time buying into his worlds. And I think there are people who really, really love his films because they instantly buy into the world and they're sold and they don't, everything after that is just gravy. So even though I want to be a David Lynch super fan because I appreciate his sense of art and his voice, I just can't do it all the way. But I feel like I am a, uh, well, maybe soon to be super fan of Pedro Almodovar. Yeah, I, 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 I almost, I feel that way. Too, I, I instantly can buy into into his world, though, into into Pedro Almodovar's world. Um, I prefer Pedro Almodovar's movies. Uh, I mean, the ones we've seen so far to um, the David Lynch movies that I've seen. And I've seen, I haven't seen Inland Empire, and I haven't seen the Twin Pe- all of Twin Peaks, but you know, I've seen quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like it's interesting because you would imagine that you can easily, more easily, buy into the surrealistic world of your native language mm. or maybe not maybe it's a, i can more easily buy into the native language or into like the foreign language that it's all foreign so i give more latitude to the uh to the hyper realistic world oh that's interesting yeah yeah and i think you and i are particularly seduced by bright colors and amazing production design and you know not that david lynch doesn't have those things well he doesn't have bright colors usually um he's uh, like a completely different vibe yeah that's true yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we're easily pulled in by those visual elements and then humor too. I think despite 
you know, the movies we like and the things we make, we really, really like humor of a certain kind, like less of like that buddy kind of humor and more of this like quirky, weird, absurd humor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about Time Me Up, Time Me Down that I really love is there's so many nonverbal little humorous things like this is not a movie for someone who's multitasking, you know, because there's moments where, you know, Antonio Banderas early on in the movie, he gets out of the mental hospital and he's also sleeping with his therapist or his or the director of the mental hospital. And he like is just stealing stuff. And then throughout the next like <laughs> two scenes, there's just like all these like throwaway lines in the background of like, I lost my, my uh, tape player. I lost my Walkman. I'm missing 10,000 pesos. It's like, it's all because you know, he stole it and he puts on a wig and wears a wig just around for a while. Just cause. Yeah. No, his, his movies are highly rewatchable in my mind. Yeah. I mean, we watched a little bit of time. Me up, time me down. Um, in preparation to to do this podcast and i just thought you know i was just i, I meant to put it on as like i think you work and just kind of keep it on to like look at the visuals and i was like sucked in i, <laughs> I could have watched that there and watched the whole movie again mm-hmm. yeah same here well so does that bring we do us... our rating system do you want to describe our rating system or shall I? I i can do it i was just about to say does that bring us to our rating system <laughs> um so yeah so it's love it Oh no no sorry, back it up. You shouldn't you shouldn't give me this much power. I'm drunk with power. <laughs> you're, you're you're so drunk. <laughs> um, it is watch it, skip it, buy it because we like we are the ones who like physical media and we we will buy things if it has rewatchability. So what and do you, you think? And you should too. And you should too. Yes. Um, I we bought it. I mean, we bought it because I got on this kick of just buying his movies, even though I hadn't seen them, because I kind of had loved The Skin I Live In so much. Ironically, we don't own that one because it doesn't have a good North American release yet. Mm. Um, Criterion, if you're listening, it's time. Um, but I I say I love it. I buy it. I, we will probably Agreed. buy it again if it comes out in blue, Blu-ray. Agreed. Yes, this is a buy it film. And again, like they, they really ask of you to like watch it though. You can't like kind of multitask. And that's the nice thing about his movies is since neither of us really speak any Spanish or much Spanish, we, we are hooked in from the from the get go, you know? Right, yeah. You have to be dedicated because you have to read the text on the screen. So um but yeah, I mean that's generally how we like to experience films we're invested in seeing is like really being attentive and watching the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question. I brought the mailbag with me down here to Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> do you want the question is kind of for you, I think, but I don't know. Anyway, the person's name or their handle is the John Ford asks us. I just watched Dangerous Creation and loved it. How do you prepare your movies? Mm. Oh, thanks, the John Ford. What a John spelled J O N, not J O H N. So oh, okay. I don't know. It's, it's it's a John Ford. I okay. think a would John be a better Ford. name for him. But he's it's it's his handle. It's the John Ford. Um, I mean, I feel like this is a very big question to answer. Uh, but I guess maybe just we, we. I mean, we can't. We can go into it maybe in a future podcast, like step by step, in a more way. But the way that we've made most of our stuff up to this point is. I write a script um, and we shoot it. No questions asked. Just kidding. <laughs> um, 
I write a script or come up with an idea, and then we kind of workshop it through dialogue and conversations uh, that we have usually on our walks when we're walking our dog. Mm-hmm. And then I go off and write a script or most of a script, and then I give it to you, and you give me notes, and we talk about things, and we do we refine it more, and I go off and write a further refinement of that. And then the next one is kind of the one we're like, okay, well, we're going to make it. And then you kind of take it over from there and do like your round of like, you're going to add things. You're going to shorten things. Usually mm-hmm. you're going to like, you know, kind of workshop it on your own to kind of judge it into what we're going to shoot. Would you say it's a fair estimation? Yeah, definitely. And I think that last round, I definitely do a lot of, I try to do a lot of cutting. I try to do a lot of, I try to think about a lot of nonverbal moments that are a little bit harder to put in the script. Um, you know, like cutting out some dialogue and using some body language instead. Like even if that body language isn't fully noted in the the script itself, like there's some kind of indication of like, okay, yeah, instead of like using words, let's let's let the actors have a physical response here. So I really try to focus on that, especially as an coming from it as like an editor is my main thing. Um, because when mm-hmm. I'm editing, you really are very attentive to the re- like silences, the reactions, the you know body language, not just filling every moment with speaking because that's not how life is, <laughs> and that's what makes a better film. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, you know something that we've been working towards is 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 thinking cinematically and, and using less words because i think when you're writing a script you feel like you need to fill the pages mm-hmm. i think sometimes it's okay i think a lot of the, the 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 traditional rules about script making are going away um speaking of script rules going away and antonio banderas um for your consideration was that the name of that movie where him and the dramatic actor are like preparing a movie and her script like she brings her script to the table read and it's just like it looks completely insane it's like one of those like uh trapper keeper lisa frank binders uh scrapbook looking things it's amazing i i actually forgot about that movie completely but it's really funny (laughs) that movie is very very good um i don't know how much you'd enjoy it if you weren't a film buff um, or if you're not like in the business, maybe you could enjoy it just from the absurdity of it all. But uh, I'm kind of realizing we're very into Spanish filmmaking. I know. <laughs> this, is a, this is a thing. I like it. <laughs> I like it too. Yeah. And we, we love Spain. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I guess that kind of brings us to the end of the podcast. So, I mean, if you like our podcast, you should probably like and subscribe it. I mean, somebody has to listen besides Oshin. It's just too much for him. <laughs> He's our super fan. He's our super fan. You might not be able to know this right now, but I'm playing your outro music. (laughs) Oh, that's nice to know. (laughs) Um, Well, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.